Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of A Trophy Life, the official podcast of the Naismith Awards here in Atlanta. I'm your host, Bob Rathman, and coming up this week, a conversation with Fox Sports' Casey Jacobson. We'll catch up with Casey on all things West Coast basketball. That's coming up in just a moment. Let's get you up to date with our Jersey Mike's news and notes for the week. This is always a crazy time for coaches and players, the Christmas break. Not many games. Those that are played on campus facilities often have uh, less than capacity crowds. There's no students there to supply all that enthusiasm, and some weird things happen. But nothing as weird as what happened at Iowa this week with Eastern Illinois. Now, you know, may know that school. It's been a football factory over the years. Tony Romo, Jimmy Garoppolo, Sean Payton all played at Eastern Illinois, but not known for their hoops. Well, their head coach is Marty Simmons. He was the man that played for Bobby Knight in Indiana, was a great coach uh, at Evansville, led them to great success in the Missouri Valley Conference. Well, he's now the head coach at Eastern Illinois. They went to Iowa Wednesday night, a 31-and-a-half-point underdog. They were trailing at halftime, and lo and behold, they lay 55 points on Iowa in the second half and win it 92-83, to one of the greatest upsets we'll see in college basketball this season. And there was another one in the ACC Wednesday night, Boston College. Knocked off Virginia Tech in overtime in Chestnut Hill, 70-65. to Two Titans meeting in midweek. North Carolina defeated Michigan 80-76 and a big night for our Jersey Mike's Naismith Player of the Year candidate Armando Baycott of the Tar Heels. He scored 26 to lead the way for North Carolina. In women's basketball, a couple of notes. We want to send our condolences out to the family of Billy Moore. Passed away during the past week. A legendary coach. Won two national championships. One at Cal State Fullerton and one at UCLA. She was our Olympic coach in 1976. And Coach Nancy Lieberman on that 76 team. Uh, coached uh, Pat uh, Summit on that team. Annie Drysdale was on that one. Annie Myers then. Uh, a lot of great players that one under Billy's wing at UCLA and at Fullerton. We just want to recognize her passing, uh, one of the all-time great coaches in women's college basketball. We also want to send our best out to Gino Oriema. He's missed a couple of games. He's our eight-time Jersey Mike's Naismith Women's National Coach of the Year. Missed a couple under the weather. Hope that Gino can get back very soon. Congratulations to St. John's women. They cracked the top 25 for the first time and. Some seven years, 2015 was the last time they were in the top 25. They are 11-0, so congratulations to them. And congratulations to our Chris Plonsky and Roy Williams. They were named the 2023 Naismith Outstanding Contributors to Basketball, and we'll have more with Chris and Roy into the new year. My conversation coming up with Casey Jacobson right after this from Jersey Mike's. Did you know Jersey Mike's Subs freshly slices the meat right in front of you? It's a Jersey Mike's thing. And did you know I, Danny DeVito, invented the unicycle? The first statement about fresh slicing at Jersey Mike's is true, while the second statement about the unicycle cannot be accurate because Mr. DeVito wasn't alive in 1870. I also invented the time machine. I don't have the energy necessary, therefore I make no further comment. Uh, checkmate. Why did I become a fast-talking legal voice? Sliced right in front of you. It's a Jersey Mike's thing. A sub above. We need a little West Coast intel, and nobody better to get it from than our great friend Casey Jacobson with Fox Sports. 
Pac-12 Networks. Casey, how are you, sir? Bob, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for for having me on. Uh, And yeah, I'm your West Coast guy, man. Sunshine and fun and hoops. You just call me up. Let's go. There you go. Well, let's talk a little bit about, first of all, the move of UCLA made official by the Board of Regents to join the Big Ten. Uh, They and USC, of course, will be departing. As a lifelong guy that, you know, with deep roots in the conference, were you as stunned as everybody else when the word first came down? And now that you've had a time, some time to reflect, what do you think this all means for West Coast basketball? I was stunned, um, shocked, surprised, and ultimately disappointed. Look, I love all these conferences. I, I cover them all with my work for Fox. I cover the Big East, the Big Ten, Mountain West. and I mean, I, I cover all of it, right? Um, but USC and UCLA, that's Pac-12 basketball. That's, that's Pac-12 sports. And I know we're in a new day and age in college athletics. I, I get it. Uh, I've seen it evolve. I know I, I work for a television network, which plays a huge role, one of the biggest roles in all of this conference realignment and, and such. So, you know, my head's not in the sand. I'm very, very much aware of what's going on. But that doesn't mean I have to love all of it. Um, I, I am devastated for the Pac-12. I don't even know what it will mean for the, for the conference going forward. I have no idea. Um, I can see both sides, Bob. I can see how from a – uh, from the UCLA and USC perspective, how um, you know this move will help them financially. I get it. Um, I also understand that from a basketball perspective, the Big Ten has been a better basketball conference over many years. That, that's not necessarily an opinion. That's more of a fact. Um, and that, that doesn't mean I don't love the Pac-12, but, but it hasn't been as good as the Big Ten from top to bottom. And so there are some, you know, some uh, things that I understand on on how that goes. But yeah, I just uh, I played in the Pac-10 during my career at Stanford. And when you if you take out UCLA basketball from, you know, it's like one of the biggest basketball brands in all the sport. You you take that away from the Pac-12, it's a devastating blow, man. It just it, it, there's no other way around it. So, um, but look, in a couple of years, Bob this will be normal. Like having USC and UCLA playing in the, in the big 10 will be normal. It, it, it's weird to even think about now. And it will be weird when it happens in a year from now. But I think, uh, you know, give everybody a little bit of time to adjust and, and we will move on from this. But, uh, but right now the, the shock is still, it's, I still feel it every day when I cover this conference and, and thinking about, you know, Mick Cronin and the Bruins and Andy Enfield and the Trojans not being there in the basketball, uh, you know, uh, world in the Pac-12 in a couple of years. That, that makes me sad. You know, it really hit me hard when UCLA went to Maryland last week. Yeah. And, you know, it was like, this is a conference game coming up. Uh, get used to this, folks. And it was, just had a weird feel to it of course UCLA blew them out and all that but still it was like you're going 3,000 miles coast to coast to play a conference game and it just it was like this is the new age that you were talking about yeah you know from a from a athlete perspective let me let me talk about this this in two ways from an 
uh, I was a former student athlete in college. And from an athlete perspective, that's a daunting thing to even think about having to get on a plane and travel from UCLA to, uh, you know, Washington, DC and to Champaign, Illinois and Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, and East Lansing. And, and those are really far plane rides. That that is going to take up an entire it, to, to play Michigan. It's going to take UCLA three days. Like to, you're going to have to leave the day before, and then you know you play the, the game the day of, and then you fly home, and all of that stuff. You're going to have to still take care of your classroom schedule, and that's going to happen for months and months during conference season. So that to me is uh, it, it's going to be a heavy toll on these student athletes. There's no question about it. From a fan perspective now i think it it doesn't affect us as fans when ucla arrives at maryland i just turn on my tv and bang they're there cool awesome i get to see ucla and usc play against michigan michigan state wisconsin ohio state purdue sign me up i'm in awesome as a basketball fan we don't have to do any we don't have to get on planes we don't have to spend time with the tutors when we're missing classes we just turn on the television and go. So I think from fans, fans are going to love this. Adding UCLA from a Big Ten perspective, adding UCLA and USC, both really good basketball schools over the last five years. By the way, let's not short USC and what they've been able to do the last, I don't know, like five, six, seven years under Andy Enfield. It's been a really, really respectable and good basketball program. Um, they're just not the brand, you know, on the basketball side as UCLA is. They certainly are on the football side, though, uh, right? Um, right. But – you know, just the, the the last point. You know, you know, I'll wrap it up with, with this thought: is the, the fans um, are going to just think that this is awesome. If you're a Big Ten basketball fan, you're going to be like, "Yes, let's go!" Even better rivalry games, uh, or you know, new rivalry games. We'll, we'll make some. Um, from the student athlete perspective, I, I think we might underestimate how much this is going to change the lives, uh, first and foremost, of the USC and UCLA players, but also the other Big Ten student athletes in all the sports that have to travel all the way to the, to the West coast too, um, to play their sports. On that note, let's check in with what's happening in the PAC 12 this season. You got two ranked teams, of course, UCLA and Arizona. Uh, we'll, we'll leave Gonzaga out for a minute when we get to the WCC and a couple of other teams that have really gotten off to great starts. Surprisingly. So I think in the case of Arizona state and Utah but let's talk about the power clubs, Arizona and UCLA. What you've seen from those two teams so far? Yeah, so starting with UCLA, who was picked to finish first, and I would have voted them first. Um, you know, if if uh, anybody would have asked me, I really like this UCLA team. Okay, so they return, you know, one of the better point guards in the country, um, a, a senior in Tiger Campbell, who is just awesome. Um, he's an awesome leader. He's grown as a shooter. Um, he was an offensive liability uh, from the three-point arc his first year, year and a half on campus, and now he's turned into a knockdown shooter to go with the fact that he's you know, kind of a pick-and-roll savant. So just really like his growth. Um, Jaime Hawkins, one of the most versatile offensive players in the country, just a total matchup nightmare because he can play the power forward easily. He can post up anybody, um, but he's also got perimeter skills. He's kind of a reluctant three-point shooter. He's, he's only made, I think, five or six threes on the season up until now. So it's not his primary weapon. But, man, he's a mid-range monster. 
And so you start with those two guys. But what I really like about this team is the additions and some of the other improvements. So the, the, the biggest improvement was Jalen Clark, who's a defensive guy who's, who's really – his offense is, has uh, almost caught up to his defense. He is a, a really nice two-way player now, um, like 6'6", good size. Uh, can be a lockdown guy against basically one through positions one through four, but his scoring's been up, which has been really nice to see. And then they're bringing along three freshmen, and Mick Cronin is tough on freshmen. His tenure at Cincinnati, he only had a couple of freshmen that actually played. You know, guys like Lance Stevenson come to mind, but most mm-hmm. of the time it, it was older guys. Bob, why is that? Because Mick Cronin coaches hard. Freshmen aren't aren't used to that. They haven't been coached like that before. But UCLA has a kid named Amari Bailey, a five-star freshman out of Sierra Canyon in L.A., and he's the real deal. And he struggled a little bit, certainly, in the first few games of the year to adjust, but he is kind of uh, hitting his stride, as they say. Really like his game. He's a combo guard that can create his own shot, which is something that UCLA needs. And then they have a kid named Adem Bona. Adem is uh, like a rim-running, super athletic big guy that they haven't had. If you remember the, the, the UCLA team of the last couple of years, have had Cody Riley and then the late Jalen Hill who passed away uh, a few months ago in Costa Rica after retiring from basketball. But um, Adem Bona is a little bit better around the rim, a little bit more strong and athletic than some of the uh, UCLA bigs. And then uh, Dylan Andrews, another freshman guard who's, uh, you know, freshman um, Pac-12 freshman of the week this this past week. So I think the UCLA team you see now is only going to be better in February and March. And even though they took a couple of losses, they lost back-to-back games to um, Illinois and Baylor. Those two games were in in Las Vegas. I think those those losses will only help them. This team's going to be a monster in in March. How about Arizona? So – uh, there's a few teams that have surprised me, uh, Bob, this year. Um, Arizona would be like a handful of teams. Purdue being one. Purdue, Purdue being like undefeated, number one ranked team in the country right now. Just to, like total total shock to me. Um, and there's a few teams like Wisconsin has been way better than I thought. I didn't even think that they would make the tournament out of the Big Ten. They, they're definitely going to make the tournament. They're awesome um, and a tough out. Arizona is one of those teams. And I know that they were ranked in the top 25. I, I know that. But I just thought you lose three NBA players in, in Ben Matherin, Christian Coloco, and Dalen Perry, and I thought that Arizona was going to take a step back, still be respectable, but they weren't going to be elite. And I was wrong in that they are still the best offense in the country, and it feels like it's by a significant margin. Um, the, the, their, their pace and their tempo and the uh, improvement of um, Umar Balo as one of the better centers in college basketball has just been a nice surprise. Azulis Tubelis, not a surprise. He's a total stud. They're four man, um, super versatile. Uh, you know, and, and Kirk Reese is a roller coaster ride, but I like, I, I really thought that, um, you know, losing all those dudes would, would really hurt them. Courtney Ramey, the transfer from Texas has, has been better at Arizona than he was at Texas. And he was pretty darn good at Texas. Um, they are not, though, uh, one thing I'll say about Arizona, they are not nearly as good defensively, at least right now, as they were a season ago. You remember Christian Coloco was one of the better shot-blocking big men in the whole country. They don't have a shot blocker. They, they don't have that this year, and it, it, it does seem like they also don't create as many turnovers. Their, their defense just isn't quite as active, not quite as long, and not quite as formidable. And so because of that, 
Um, like I don't see them getting a, uh, I don't think they'll get a number one seed like they did last year, but man, are they way, way better than I thought. There's something to be said for coaching, isn't there? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, Tommy Lloyd is in his second year, right? And, you know, last year, Bob, I think the conversation was obviously Tommy Lloyd was the right guy. He was ready for his first head coaching job after being at Gonzaga for more than 20 years. It's crazy. Um, but there were other people saying, okay, Tommy Lloyd's doing a good job, but he's but he's cooking with Sean Miller's ingredients. Sean Miller, you know, left the cover pretty, pretty full. Um, and so that's why I, and, and, and there was a little bit of that with me too. Like, okay, they lose those three guys to the NBA, all Sean Miller recruits, by the way. And I'm like, all right, I want to see what Tommy Lloyd can do having to plug in transfers and having to develop and have another guy step up and it's been great so like he's been awesome we're only a year 1.25 years into his tenure i'm very very comfortable in saying tommy lloyd's the right guy a great fit at arizona he's going to be awesome let's give him though i would say at least three more years from now to see him get a full cycle of his own recruits um to really see what he what he can do there but uh so far a plus Casey, the one thing I love about Gonzaga is that they take on all comers. They don't shy away from playing the big boys anywhere, anytime, and it's great. It's great for college basketball. You talked about tuning in as a fan to watch these matchups. This is what we want to see, and we're recording this on Friday afternoon, and we'll know by the time this podcast is posted how they did against Alabama this weekend, but I love that about Gonzaga. They are quality. It's, they don't have to prove themselves to anybody or anything, but they still take on these challenges. I love that about them. What do you see in the Zags? I love the same thing. And the two programs that year in and year out take on all comers are Michigan State. Tom Izzo, he, he'll play anybody. And Mark Few with Gonzaga. They, you know, it, it's a little bit different for Izzo and Michigan State because they're in the Big Ten. You know, they can rely on, you know, that strong league schedule. Mark Few, I think, realized about 10 years ago with the players and, and, and the program that he had built, the fact that they play in the, in the WCC, which is a good basketball conference, but it, it really can't compare to Big Ten and SEC and, and Pac-12. So he realized I have to go out and, and schedule. I, I almost don't have a choice, and now I have the players in the program to do it. This year they have played Michigan State, Texas, Kentucky, Purdue, Xavier, Baylor, Washington, they're about to play Alabama. Are you kidding me? That is by far the toughest schedule to me, in my opinion. It's by far the toughest non-conference schedule of the season. And then to get to your question about this year's Gonzaga team, they've lost three games. But I'm like, so what? That Texas game that they lost by like a million points, no one was going to beat the Texas Longhorns in their brand-new Moody Center arena that night. Texas was just on fire. I think they hit like 14 threes or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. That was just a night where you're just going to get thumped. You just accept that. Um, they also got beat badly by Purdue, which you know almost any, everybody's going to be get beat badly by Purdue the way they're, they're playing right now. Um, this team is not as elite as – uh, the one last year, or even the, the one the, the two years ago um, in 2021 when Gonzaga lost to Baylor in the national championship game and they were undefeated going into that game against Baylor. I loved that Gonzaga team. I, was, I thought for sure they were going to win a national championship with Drew Timmy and Jalen Suggs. Um, 
That team was so much fun. This team is just a little bit different. So they still have uh, Drew Timmy, of course, um, but they don't. It, it's like unclear what who their second and third best players are. I would say it's Julian Strother, the six seven junior wing, who's who's good, forty percent from three, almost consistently every year. But then who's their third? Who's their third guy? And who's their like you know go to point guard? Um, Nolan Hickman has been good, but not like amazingly good razier bolton um is now in his second year with the program and is a good shooter but like none of these guys are are you know consistently great and i think that's why this gonzaga team may not be as elite but dude they are still to me you know a, a top 15 team in the country probably closer to that 15 ish mark still have an excellent chance of getting a high seed and making a final four I don't think that this team uh, should be a favorite to win a national championship, though, and that's the first time you could probably say that in four or five years for the Zags. As we wrap it up, Casey, tell our listeners where we can watch your games and all the times that we can catch you on FS1 and Fox. Give us a rundown. Where can we check you out? Yeah, well, uh, so this weekend, actually on Sunday, I'm calling what I'm uh, what I describe as the Patino Bowl. So Rick Patino, legendary <laughs> Hall of Fame coach, he's at Iona and has been for the last three seasons, and he's leading the Gales, who has a, have a really good team this year, by the way. Um, he's leading his team into his Rick Patino's son's home building. Rick Patino's son's his name is Richard Patino. Of course, everybody knows he used to coach at Minnesota. Now he is at New Mexico in the Mountain West. And so Rick and Richard are going to be coaching against each other for the very first time ever uh, this Sunday. That game will be on FS1, an afternoon tip in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I'll be on the call for that game. So really looking forward to that. It should be really fun. And by the way, New Mexico is undefeated. Haven't played a, a, a tough schedule yet, but um, still undefeated is undefeated. Uh, so good for that. And then as far as like the rest of the season, um, Bob, I am on Fox or FS1 on almost every single Saturday, except for this Saturday, except for, you know, tomorrow, um, going forward. So, like, from now and until the the NCAA tournament starts, you can catch me on Fox or FS1 on every single Saturday. I'll be calling games throughout the week uh, as well. But that's that, that's the main appointment um, that you can, you can find me on on television this year. And, and we will. We will find you because we value you and thank you so much for all you do for us with the Naismith Awards. And we, uh, we really appreciate you taking time to bring us up to speed. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Bob. And that's going to do it for this week. And that father-son matchup that we talked about with Casey, the son won the game. Richard Patino defeated his dad in that game at New Mexico. That's going to do it for this week. Until next, for all of us here at the Naismith Award, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and we'll talk to you next week on the podcast. So long, everybody.